HSD are experts in delivering tech solutions to the vet sector, working with clients such as the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, ASQA and the VRQA. HSD understand the complexities of VET, its systems and data. We specialise in systems integration, customer relationship management systems, Microsoft platforms and migrating organisations to the cloud. So whether you're looking for advice on integrating your systems, meeting your data reporting requirements or looking to gain insights into your stakeholders, HSD are here to help. Visit hsd.com.au or follow us on LinkedIn. From Clearfield and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now? What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector, episode 71. And this week, I spoke with Professor Shirley Alexander, who's just retired after a long career at UTS, including for many years as their Deputy Vice-Chancellor, Education and Students. Given Shirley has been a real innovator in the sector, particularly in relation to online learning and more recently stackable micro-credentials, it was great to get both her reflections on how higher education is changing and on how it needs to change. We covered a number of topics which might seem quite disparate, international education, STEM, competition from non-traditional online providers, oral assessments, responding to COVID-19 and more. The thread that draws them all together is obviously the student. And in this interview, you'll hear Shirley say that she used to read all of the comments in all of the student surveys as a way of ensuring she stayed across the student experience. I've heard her say that before, and I think it's a real credit to her. Very often we rely on summaries because of workloads, but digging into the actual comments allows for much greater insight and it's obvious how that feedback was used by Shirley and her team at UTS. Shirley's role at UTS is being filled by Professor Kylie Redman from Murdoch University, who joined me on the podcast last year to discuss student support and mental health, particularly in an online environment. If you haven't heard that episode yet, it's episode 42, and you can find it either online or in your podcast feed. In the meantime, here's my conversation with Shirley. Shirley, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to join in what is a pretty important week. Um, You're finishing up this week as DBC Education and Students at UTS uh, before I think you're taking a very well-deserved break and then deciding what's next. Um, And even though you're no doubt really well known to listeners of the podcast, I do always start by asking my guests to share a bit about their career. Um, You know, I'm very interested in the people that I speak to as well as their, their ideas and thoughts. So I wonder if you can start off by talking us through some of your career highlights. Probably the highlights of my career um, have been underpinned by um, a deep interest in learning as opposed to teaching, and I'll explain that in a minute. 
So what is it that students need to do in order to learn? Um, and then looking at teaching and technologies and learning spaces and so on um, around that. Um, and the second um, aspect that I think has underpinned my career has been um, also a deep interest in what are the experiences that students are having. And when you put both of those together, um, it's given me uh, a wonderful grounding to take advantage of being in the right place at the right time during my career. So um, one of the big highlights has been the enormous privilege <coughs> of um, being able to participate in the, the UTS campus redevelopment. So that was a $1.5 billion project. And um, I managed to get myself on <clears throat> all of the project control groups. And I took very seriously the responsibility of thinking about what is the future of learning and what does that mean for the way that we design the campus. And, um, and that, I think, has been one of the biggest highlights um, one, one of the challenges people who engage in innovations have is that often the innovation dies when that person leaves or they change roles or they get promoted or something. Um, but I really feel that the work that we have done, and I say we, um, it's absolutely been a team effort. I've just been the leader of it. Um, the work that we've done is enduring. Um, we have a campus that's really designed for what I see is the future of learning. Um, and it involved everybody from students, staff, academic staff, professional staff, everyone. So it's really been a big collaborative um, effort. Um, a second career highlight, well, I'm not sure highlight is the word, um, but I'm also a great believer in um, teamwork. When, when you're involved in a high-performing team, there's absolutely no experience like it. And the um, appearance of COVID in 2020 was probably the biggest challenge of my entire career. Um, but what makes it a highlight for me is not, is not the terrible outcomes of COVID for so many people, but it was the way that the whole UTS community came together to support each other, to support students and to keep learning happening um, during that time of enormous change. Um, so they're, they're just a couple of the highlights. Um, uh, uh, as you know, we, we came through COVID, students were immensely grateful for all the effort uh, that staff had clearly put into it. But the only reason we were able to come through COVID so well um, was the kind of teamwork, academics working with professional staff. So we paused classes for a week and, um, and everyone just pulled together to put everything online. And there's just nothing like that feeling of teamwork. 
So they're just a couple of my career highlights. Lovely. And uh, someone who lives just down the road from UTS, seeing the students come back to campus and to that beautiful campus that you have redesigned, um, it certainly, uh, you know, lifts my spirits as I'm uh, as I'm going past and and seeing how they use the space, at, at least from the from the outside. Um, Shirley, you spoke at the recent Australia-China uh, Business Council Education Summit and shared some really sensible but also really innovative ideas. And there were two in particular that really caught my attention. You spoke quite a bit about thinking a bit differently about um, international students and offering them a hybrid study option. So some study at home in their home country and then some study in Australia. And secondly, you talked about some changes that UTS was making to introduce more oral assessments to help with um, online assessment integrity issues. And I wonder if you could share with listeners um, a bit more about those ideas um, that you had. Sure. Um, So I'm one of those people, and this is a personal opinion, it's not a UTS opinion, I'm one of those people who thinks that there is going to be a fundamental change to the way we offer higher education in the future. And I know that's a very contested space, but my own view is that there's going to have to be major, major changes. Um, The first one is that um, online learning um, was seen as the poor cousin, I think, um, before COVID. And both uh, numbers of staff and numbers of students thought there was no benefit to online. There was the only way to educate and be educated was face-to-face. But through um, necessity, um, both staff and students had to engage with online learning and it became um, something that was normalised during COVID. And... um, uh, One of the things that I have always done is I read through all the student comments in the surveys that they complete because it's a really interesting way of understanding what student experiences are. And um, last year, students were, we had periods of lockdown and students were saying, why aren't we back on campus? We can go to the movies. We can watch a football match. Why can't we come back onto campus? And we were simply following health orders. Um, And what's interesting is that this year comments have started to change back to it's great being back on campus, but I miss the flexibility of of online learning. Last year I could choose Um, which tutorial I would attend and that was news to a lot of academics that students were hopping around uh, different tutorials at a time that suited them (coughs) and um, they they want the option to to run their lives um, and have university fit around their lives whereas years ago students saw themselves as as university students, and they fitted their other life around that. And that has has changed quite a bit. Um, 
So what what we're trying to do um, is to look at a, a kind of a third space. How can we introduce that kind of flexibility that students really, really want to retain? I mean, there are comments such as, it takes me an hour and a half each way on a train to get into the university and it's just not worth it to me to come to a one-hour class where an academic is reading PowerPoint slides to me. And, of course, why would they spend that time? I mean, I hope that's a minority experience on campus um, because we have an active learning strategy um, but students really want to have the flexibility of doing what they can from home. But when they come onto campus, it has to be a really engaging experience. So moving on to international students, um, I think for many of them, the big attraction of studying at UTS is coming to Sydney. We know from all the research that Sydney is the big drawcard for students. but we also know that that many of them um, spend a lot of money on accommodation and travel in moving to Sydney. And so what I've been looking at is some different ways in which we can make it possible for them to do both, to stay in their home country with their families, um, but also to have the Sydney experience. So that might mean coming to Sydney for the first year, for example, um, studying on campus, then going home for a year and then returning for a third year. I mean, there are, there are multiple um, different combinations of, of doing that, um, but we're actively investigating that at the moment. Another challenge that has arisen from COVID um, is that almost every university has moved their um, exams and assessments online. And by and large, that has worked fairly well. However, um, we do know that um, the number of um, establishments offering so-called free uh, tutorial help but are actually doing assignments and writing exams is increasing. And it's something that TEXA is very, very interested in. And they've got a separate unit just looking at that. Um, but we are now, um, and we can do as much as we can to try and introduce a culture of, uh, of integrity. We can make sure students understand what's cheating and what, what isn't. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to, to graduate students and able to put a hand on our heart and say, we can absolutely guarantee that these students have achieved the learning outcomes of this course themselves. So what is the future of assessment? Um, and we know an enormous amount um, about different uh, approaches to assessment that really reduce uh, cheating. And one, of course, is um, we know from the work of uh, Phil Dawson and, and Cradle that um, a good relationship, personal relationship between the teacher and students is one of those. 
Um, but one of the things that we're looking at is whether we need to introduce um, vivas and um, at least once a year so that we can just check on the progress of that particular student. Um, and academics tell me that they can tell very in a very short period of time whether a student has really mastered the content of their learning. Um, so there's some of the things that we're looking at as a result of um, changes through COVID. And uh, um, I spoke about those at the Australia-China Business Council Education Summit. You did. And and I just want to tease out a bit more about the, the idea with the international students because what I was very taken with was, and I just think it was so spot on, your sense that, you know, obviously historically many universities have done two plus one, one plus two yeah. models, but they've often thought of the student doing the first year or two in their home country and you made the really compelling point that for students to learn online and learn most effectively online, uh, we owe it to them to build a community and help them connect to that community and hence your idea. Yes. If we brought them on campus first and allowed them to physically meet up, then perhaps go home and do some online study, um, they've got those networks and connections that they can build on. Yes, yeah, so as I was as I was saying earlier, one of the options for um, a hybrid study approach for international students is to bring them onto campus for the first year. In focus groups that I did last year with groups of students who were studying offshore, I talked to them about what had worked and what hadn't. And one of the areas that they felt hadn't worked well, was that they didn't have a network of other students, so they felt very alone. Um, as probably all listeners will have heard, um, students were reluctant to turn on their cameras, for example, um, and students reported being in, um, in small groups where no one turned their camera on and no one spoke uh, they talked about the problems. We do a lot of teamwork because we know that's a really important graduate attribute, but they said it was very hard to, to work in groups because they didn't know anyone else to, to, to form a group with, and even when they did, they didn't really know them well. So if we brought students onto campus for the first year, they would be able to, to build those networks to really understand how the university operates uh, and just to get a good sense of what it is that they're undertaking so that if they wanted to return to their home country for a period of time in the second year, they would have those networks and connections to, to build on. That's really clever thinking and we'll wait, we'll wait and see what, uh, what happens there. Um, Shirley, you've also been at the forefront of thinking about the rise of non-accredited educational offerings and helping UTS adapt, particularly I'm aware of some of its postgraduate courses, to allow for more stackable options and recognising courses and micro-credentials taught um, outside the university. Can you explain a bit more for listeners what UTS is doing in that space and why? 
Sure. So, um, so UTS has recognised um, the importance of lifetime of learning, and I know it's one of the buzzwords around at the moment. Um, but we do have to continue learning our entire lives, and there's not a week goes by that I don't learn something new myself. Um, but n- not not everyone wants to enrol in a formal postgraduate award. Um, it can seem quite daunting to someone um, to to sign up for a two year part time degree. Um, and but still, they often want to learn something. And I would suggest, for example, that every single person in the workforce at the moment, and I know this shows um, one of my passions, every single person in the in the workforce at the moment should be learning more about data and how to analyze it and what data means, what actually does an average mean, for example, and um, because we we are just surrounded by data, um, but it's way out of proportion to what we really know about that data. Um, and even though people know how to go through the motions of calculating an average, for example, I'm always astonished at how little understanding there is in society about what an average means. I hear people saying they want everyone to earn above average salaries. Well, that's never going to happen because an average average Mm -hmm. is a measure of the centre. And so if we have all this data but we don't understand what it means, we're in real trouble. But let's say someone who has a well-established career wants to learn more about data they don't necessarily want to become a professional in that area, um, but they want to get some some literacy. Um, so what we've done is develop a series of micro-credentials. They're much shorter um, pieces of learning. <coughs> and each micro is equivalent to either a third or a half of a subject. And the great advantage of that is Um, that someone might do a couple of micros and then think, actually, I really enjoy this. I want to keep doing a bit more. And so they can can progressively build up their knowledge and skills by undertaking more micro-credentials and then suddenly realise that they've earned half of a postgraduate degree. And then they might say, well, I, need, I want to know um, more about, uh, about design, design thinking, um, which is an, another approach to, to problem solving. And so they can then design their own postgraduate degree. Um, so that's why we have these stackable degrees in the university and um, they undertake a project that is linked to their own workplace. So it becomes a kind of learning integrated work. Uh, so that's the idea behind um, what we've been doing. And it's really about one of our strategic initiatives, which is the UTS 2027 Lifetime of Learning. Yeah, I'm nodding as you um, as you talk through it because to, to me um, it makes enormous uh, good sense that there is an awful lot of learning for people to do as the world of work changes, jobs change. So being able to um, 
take on bits of learning as people need to and then potentially progress further, I think, is um, is only to be encouraged and obviously others are, are moving in that direction as well. Um, now, I'm conscious that my final question really we could spend the rest of the week speaking about, so I'll have to, you know, trust to your very good judgment to, um, to focus in on just one or two, but as you reach the end of this phase of your career, I wonder what you think the issues are that universities need to be focused on for the future. Okay. Well, I've already mentioned um, the need for a fundamental rethink of everything we do, that online learning is now much more acceptable. Um, but I don't think I don't think universities are taking seriously enough the kind of competition that it's now facing um, because online learning um, is, is now available in a whole range of areas for a fraction of the cost um, that we provide um, online learning for. So, so universities really have to be thinking about um, what is the extra value that students get from undertaking their learning in a university? And people will often say, well, they can get a credential. Um, but you can see the writing on the wall for how, uh, especially some of the trends in the US where many major organisations are abandoning asking for um, a university degree to enter careers Instead, they're accepting Google certificates and so on. So that's a, a particular space that we really need to be watching. What, what is the value of having a formal award degree at a university and how do we back that up with the real experience that students have? At the same time, we have to be really focused on how we can reduce the cost of, uh, of learning. When um, governments all around the world are facing an extraordinary COVID debt legacy, and there's not going to be large amounts of money to keep pouring in to higher education, even though we do show over and over the value. Um, in Australia alone, student debt's about $1.7 billion, and a significant proportion of that, I think it's about 20% at the moment, will not ever be repaid. So governments are not going to keep pouring money into higher education. So we absolutely have to find ways of reducing that debt. I think we also need to increase our focus. We are somewhat focused on this, I think, but we have to double down on what is our contribution to Australia. We have a significant skill shortage in Australia and we're not going to be able to maintain our middle-class lifestyle uh, unless we increase our productivity. Um, so I think universities really need to double down on addressing the, the skill shortage that we have um, and then um, doing what we can to um, increase the number of students going into the areas where we're short. Um, one of my particular interests is in maths, and when my grandchildren heard I was retiring 
they said, oh, no, free maths lessons coming. But mathematics is just fundamental to, to so many of the areas that I'm really passionate about and that we need highly skilled people in Australia. Why aren't more students taking higher level maths in secondary school? And I think we have a role to play um, in encouraging the study of maths so we get more people into those careers. That's a very abbreviated version. I could talk for a very long time about what issues we need to be focused on, but they're top of mind. Uh, and I was just only going to say that I've been uh, nodding the entire way through as, as you go through them. I think you've really um, hit the nail on the head uh, with those that you've um, focused on um, and their critical um, importance. Shirley, you have made an enormous contribution thus far to the sector. <laughs> um, I really wish you all the very best for the future and thank you for making time to speak with me, particularly in what is no doubt a really busy um, week for you. So thank you very much for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure, Claire. Thank you so much. Thank you.